0: If you're living the days in the life of an ag teacher, then you'll fit right in. I'm your host, Carly Erickson, and I'm here to remind you to do what you love and love what you do. As always, thanks for listening and welcome to class. Today, we're gonna be talking about water is life. This year, I had the pleasure of co-writing the 2020 Ag Innovators Experience called Water Connects Us All with several professionals from Iowa State University, as well as other professionals in the industry. This collaboration definitely made me think about my previous knowledge of water systems and water systems in the United States, as well as just my knowledge of water in general. And what I realized is that our students really do learn the basic water cycle at elementary age. And so from this early age, they have a good understanding of what water is, how it contributes to society, and for uh, plants, animals, and humans. And we can really build on that knowledge the older they get. So as they get into middle school, they can do some some more learning about that and then in high school in the agriculture classroom, we can definitely capitalize on the building of knowledge that they've learned through the course of their educational career. As we were writing this curriculum, we were realizing that we had to start at a very basic level for those who maybe hadn't had as much experience or had possibly forgotten about the basics of the water cycle. And then we also built on that knowledge as well, and furthered into the nitrogen cycle and how that can affect the water cycle overall. And in agriculture, we know how important the nitrogen is for our crop fields. And it's also important to recognize what that does for our water system as a whole in the United States, especially here in Iowa, we require a lot of nitrogen to be applied to our soil. And we really saw how that can affect our water supply and our water system. One of the things that we brought up in our curriculum was how in the Gulf of Mexico, there is what's called a dead zone. And that means that there's not enough oxygen for living things. And so there's a, a large portion of uh, where the Mississippi River releases water into the Gulf of Mexico that is inhabitable and plants and animal species that live in the ocean are not able to live or survive in that environment. And so we're seeing that people who live on the coast there are struggling to potentially keep their jobs if they're in an industry where they have to rely on the ecosystem within the water. So even here in Iowa, we're seeing a direct impact of our use of nitrogen being applied to the crops and especially just the Midwest in general. Um, we're seeing how our use of nitrogen is affecting people in a very different part of the country than us, and also the water system and the ecosystem within the water that we're affecting. The best way to describe this process is that the water is carrying a pollutant, and that pollutant is affecting multiple other systems in lots of places around the country. The Mississippi River is the longest river in North America, and so keeping that in mind when the Midwest is known for the greatest cropland in North America and also recognizing that with current agricultural systems, we have to apply um, certain chemical fertilizers and including nitrogen that can get into our water system and affect the entire length of the Mississippi River from the Midwest down. And so thinking about those things as we go forward and what we can do to treat the water and help naturally clarify the water and get rid of those pollutants as naturally as possible before it hits the main water systems. One of the ways that we can do that is by encouraging the reformation of wetlands. And wetlands have disappeared And we're really seeing that take effect into our environment, especially here in the Midwest. And when wetlands are gone, we are reducing the amount of water that can be naturally purified before it hits a system. And we're also reducing habitat for lots of species of animals. And that can have an effect on other plants and animals as well. Wetlands are really an amazing piece of land. They act like a sponge. And if it's at the bottom of a hill, let's say, all that water that runs off the hill, and usually we would see a tremendous amount of soil erosion, that wetland really does act as a sponge. And that water that comes down will sit in this holding spot in the wetland. And It will be able to naturally filter itself and purify that water a little bit more and take out some of those pollutants and it also is a breeding ground for species of animals that really like to inhabit water and it's a space that they didn't have before. So this is a green space with lots of plants that will grow naturally and we're also creating habitat for lots of animals. The reason that wetlands are so important is because they do hold water in a place for a period of time. And so before that water gets released, it is going through a process of getting rid of things that we wouldn't normally want in our water system. And so then when that water is released and it gets closer and closer to major waterways like the Mississippi River, it's had a chance to filter out some things that we wouldn't want to get in the water system otherwise. You know what time it is. It's time for the Ag Career of the Day. Today's career falls under agriculture and biosystems engineering as an environmental civil engineer. According to collegegrad.com, environmental civil engineers solve problems in using their knowledge of biology, soils, and engineering. They also work to create better systems for the environment, such as improving recycling and water and air pollution. A bachelor's degree in environmental science or a related field is required, and the average annual salary is $88,860. And that's the ag career of the day. It's important for us as educators to teach the importance of clean, safe, and healthy water, and this curriculum really does give a great opportunity to explain what that means in today's society and what that means for agriculture as a whole. It's important to be able to use nitrogen, and our crops today somewhat depend on that. And in order to get the yields that we have expected, we encourage the use of nitrogen. However, we need to be responsible and make sure we're actively engaging and using only the suggested amounts that are listed on the label, and being proactive about our watershed managements going forward and what we can do as individuals so that we can help the cause of the dead zone at the bottom of the Mississippi River in the Gulf of Mexico. Today our special guest Lynn Campbell is back with us, but this time she's here to talk about the 2020 Ag Innovators Experience and national 4-H program called
1: Water Connects Us All.
0: Lynn, we are so excited to have you back. Tell us about your new program.
1: Water Connects Us All is uh, another uh, one of our programs with the National 4-H Council. Uh, This is the third one that we've had the opportunity to develop as a lead state. So Iowa State University is the lead state. A team of us worked together to develop the curriculum, develop the models, develop the training protocols, Uh, seven States were selected to implement the program in the Midwest, and it's really uh, really kind of neat because all of the seven states are part of that Mississippi watershed and that we're going to talk about um, uh, in a little bit. Um, the program features a model of wetlands to help youth understand what a wetland is, and that's a natural filtration process. We're going to also talk about then and, and experience four other models, a bioreactor, a saturated buffer... A, um, a rain garden and a bioswale to figure out how those engineered conservation practices can help improve water quality. And then uh, the last thing that the youth will do is uh, engage as a watershed management authority or team and they're going to decide what practices can be implemented. It's really exciting to engage the seven states, 7,000 youth. Um, our, uh, each state is expected to reach a thousand youth. and. The thing that I am most excited about is the land grant mission. It gives us an opportunity to share our land grant mission with Iowa, with the Midwest, with United States, and even globally, because uh, there is a global component as well. I've been uh, in another grant been, been working with educators from Jamaica and so really excited about sharing what happens at Iowa State University with the rest of the world.
0: That is awesome and such a great opportunity for youth and
1: adults alike. Absolutely.
0: So tell us why wetlands are so important for our ecosystem.
1: Wetlands are our natural filtration systems. They help to remove uh, things that end up in our water, uh, pollutants, uh, nitrates, uh, other things. They just naturally do that filtration process. And when those wetlands are removed, the filtration process is no longer there. And all of those substances in the water end up in our waterways. Over the past 100, 150 years, farming has depleted natural filtration systems in in what we call prairie potholes. And they were uh, just areas where there was just those natural wetlands. And over the years, those have been removed, and thus that filtration process has been removed as well.
0: So how would you say farming, especially in the Midwest, affects our watersheds?
1: Well, in farming, we add nitrogen to help grow crops. We need to. We need to produce as much food as we possibly can. And technology uh, has enabled us to to grow crops in places that we've never been able to grow crops before, uh, largely because of those uh, additional nutrients that we're adding to the water. They're good. They're good unless they get into our waterways. And when they get into our waterways, they actually then can cause problems. Um, The nitrates, the phosphates. Uh, the nitrates get into the water and cause algae blooms and so it, it's it's kind of a balance um, we have to figure out ways to um, to mitigate those risks and at the same time growing as many crops as we can possibly grow
0: yeah and like you said you know we're able to grow crops in areas we never thought we could before. Absolutely. And we, for the yields that we expect, we almost have to apply nitrogen and phosphorus and those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, feeding our population, you know, and the population continues to double at an alarming rate. Uh, science is the way that we're going to be able to feed that many people. And um, it's just going to be a balancing act in trying to figure out ways to reduce the risks while minimi- or maximizing the benefits. In the Midwest, we're also farming more acres than we've ever farmed before, uh, because we're removing those those uh, prairie potholes. Um, it it increases the amount of acreage that we're planting, and thus increasing the amount of inputs that we're also putting into the land, yeah. such as the fertilizers, pesticides, all of those um, all those substances that can get into waterways.
0: Yeah, and we see that that is you know affecting the ecosystem, which is in the water, and it's affecting. You know, plant and human health as well. Absolutely. So what can we expect to see in the future if we do not address
1: the issues surrounding our waterways? If we do not address the problems with our waterways, it's really about water quality everywhere. Um, It's a local issue. Um, Farming in the Midwest attributes different numbers, 30 percent of the nitrates that actually make it to the Gulf of Mexico. And so it's a local issue that becomes a global problem. And We've, we've, we're all in this together. We have to figure out ways to mitigate that. Um, the pollution in the, uh, in the Gulf of Mexico ends up in, with algae blooms. Those algae blooms create a hypoxic zone. And that actually has uh, ramifications for businesses there. Shrimp, shrimping industry, fishing industry, things just can't grow. And so um, trying to figure out ways that, uh, that everybody can be successful is really our most important goal.
0: Yeah, it's amazing that from the very north to the very south, we can still be affecting their economy and their economic status down there. And like you said, you know, their industries are struggling.
1: Absolutely. And it's not just Iowa um, that, that, that's, that's part of that problem. Um, the, uh, the Mississippi watershed is about 40 percent of the continental United States. And so it's, it's really uh, about working together with multiple states to figure out ways to resolve this issue.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I agree. What can individuals and communities do to help reduce the amount of nitrates in their water before it reaches the waterways?
1: It's really about the decisions we make with what we put on on the land, and so a, a lot of the, um, the the source of that is fertilizers. Whether you're fertilizing your your lawn and your in your home, um, or you're fertilizing land, and so it's not just a a a rural problem we've talked about that mostly but it's also an urban problem as well and there's urban solutions and so uh, making making good decisions making uh, implementing conservation practices finding ways to plant plants that uh, are native plants that help to uptake uh, the nitrogen that's there and really following the guidance on the the fertilizing uh, of of whatever you're fertilizing Um, there there is guidance there for a reason And uh, many, many, many people over fertilize, uh, whether it's a farmer or a landowner.
0: Yeah. In our earlier episode, uh, pollinators, we actually talk about the importance of prairie plants. And so those have multiple purposes. And how great is that to filter our water and have pollinators? Absolutely. Have modern agriculture practices increased or decreased the amount of nitrates in our waterways? And why
1: do you think that is? Well, the answer is both, actually. So obviously it has increased the amount of nitrates in the waterways, mostly because of the fertilizer that we apply to our crops. But there are also modern agricultural practices that help to mitigate that. And we've partnered with um, Ag and Biosystems Engineering Department here at Iowa State University. Their goals are to develop engineered conservation practices that help to reduce the impacts of the nitrates in our waterways. In, in some of those practices are saturated buffers and bioreactors. In our programming, we've actually developed models so youth and adults alike can see what those and how those um, particular engineered conservation practices can reduce the amount of nitrates in the water. In urban settings, there's bioswales and rain gardens. And both of those are designed specifically to reduce nitrates, to hold the water for a time period so that those nitrates can be um, removed. So again, just trying to figure out a way to find a balance in the nitrates that are applied and figuring out ways to remove those before they enter the waterways.
0: Lynn, as always, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate you coming back and we
1: look forward to seeing more from you in the future. Thanks for having me.